Okay. I'm just going to share from the Word for a, f- a little while. I just said something on my heart. I hope this is, is on. Yeah. One, two. That's on. Who was blessed by this morning's message? It was a great message on covenant, wasn't it? Amen. Fraser did a great job. I just wanted to, inspired by that, just wanted to share a few things this evening. If you've got a Bible with you, turn with to Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. And uh, I'm going to share a few things. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for just your presence and your love for us, and as we just turn to your word, I pray that your word would be life to us tonight, and would help us on our journey this week, from glory to glory, from more experience in you, more life in you, more understanding in you. Father, I thank you, it says in your word, that above all things, get understanding. Father, I thank you, it says in your word, that people perish for lack of knowledge, Father, I pray that tonight we will see you more in a deeper way through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to talk about covenant people. Covenant people, that's people of promise and people that are in the promise. Turn to your neighbor and say, you show real promise. Now turn to your neighbor again and say it like you believe it. You show real promise. You know, it's so true in our culture, British culture, that we love to put each other down, sometimes jokingly and sometimes just being harsh, isn't it? But, you know, I believe in in church culture, we've got to be those that encourage each other and build each other up and... Especially, I believe that we've got to create that culture so that our children growing up and our young people know what it is to be encouraged to feel they can take on the whole of the world. Amen? Amen. That really, (laughs) there are limitless possibilities in God that we want to see happen amongst us in our town, in our neighborhoods, in our villages. Amen? Amen? So just before we turn to Acts 28, I just want to share a couple of scriptures in this whole area. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 to 13 says this. At that time, talking about the time before we'd come into Jesus Christ, before we knew Christ, or before Christ had done what he's done on the cross for us and in his resurrection for us, at that time you were without Christ. What does that mean, without Christ? You were without a Messiah, you were without any deliverance. Being aliens, not little green men, that just means people outside of the covenant. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. What is Paul saying here? He's saying there were certain people that were in and certain people that were out. And the common, think about the commonwealth, what does that mean? That there's wealth that belongs to everybody. Spiritual wealth that belongs to everybody that was part of the chosen people of God, the the Israel of God. Israel means prince of God. And you were not a prince, and I was not a prince, we were paupers. But because of what Jesus has done, we've become princes. I'll just see if there's any amens over here. Because of what Jesus has done... 
We are no longer paupers, we're princes. Amen. And princesses. Amen. Just see yourself in the beautiful princess dress, not the men. See yourself in that beautiful princess dress, that beautiful royal robe that you have as children of God. You are outside this. You were strangers of the covenants of promise. Being a success was a stranger to us before we knew Jesus. But Jesus has made us, inside us, the potential to be a success in this life. Do you believe that? Because if you don't, I want you to believe it, and I want you, I'm going to keep telling you until it sinks from your head to your heart, you are called to be a success. That's not by the world standards. Success means to do what God has called you to do, to be all that God wants you to be. Amen? But strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now. So we had no hope. We were no hopers. We had no commonwealth. We were outside of any promise. And because of Jesus, we now are inside the commonwealth. We have great promise and we have great hope. It's amazing, isn't it? I'm going to compete with that burglar alarm or that car alarm because greater is he who is in me than he who is in that burglar alarm. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. This is a powerful statement. One translation takes it into a, a real relational picture and says this, once you were far off, but now you have been brought into the Father's arms by the blood of Jesus. There's a real intimacy about our relationship. You know, our relationship, the benefits of relationship with God are there, but the greatest benefit of relationship is intimacy with our Father, isn't it? It's knowing that we are loved and knowing we're accepted. Here's another scripture from the little red, little book in the New Testament called Philemon. Paul says to this fellow that the sharing of your faith may become effective. How does the sharing of your faith become effective? How is our faith going to become effective in life to do the things that are supernatural in life, that are beyond the ordinary? That's what faith is all about. It's taking risks with what God has said to you. How does the sharing of your faith become effective? By the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. This is a problem we have sometimes in the church. We're so fixated on everything that's wrong with us that we never realize how much good God has put in us. God doesn't want us to live sin conscious. He wants us to live Jesus conscious. And our faith becomes effective. Our faith produces. Our faith becomes alive when we start to acknowledge not all our mistakes and all our failings and acknowledge how awful we are and blah, blah, blah. Like Fraser said this morning, we're not just sinners saved by grace. We are sons and we are saints. Amen? When we start to acknowledge every good thing which is in us in Christ Jesus, then the impossible becomes possible in our lives. Because we start to see ourselves the way God sees us. And this is what covenant's all about. It's recognizing that you have a covenant with God and have come from a place of being a pauper, 
to a place of being a prince. A place of being an orphan to a place of being a son and a daughter. Amen? Amen. So with that in mind, let's go to Acts 28. You thought I'd never get there, did you? Acts 28. This is a, a, a true account of something that happened in the life of the Apostle Paul. And we're just before we read it, I just want to give you some background. This guy was so into who he was in Christ Jesus. He was so into acknowledging every good thing, regardless of the circumstances. This guy was about to go to Rome where he faced torture, where he faced abuse, where he faced all kinds of stuff for the name of Jesus, and possibly death if you believe church tradition. Basically, he was traveling to Rome, and he was in a shipwreck. There was a great storm on the Mediterranean. You can imagine that because you can see all the things that have happened to the refugees in the Mediterranean Sea and all the storm. You think, when you think of the Mediterranean, I used to think of like, you know, olives and a few bits of feta cheese sitting on the beach. Everything's nice and calm. Have you noticed food's always involved? But anyway, <clears throat> I was sitting there and enjoying the calm sea. But the Mediterranean can be choppy, apparently, and it can have storms. And we can see that in the news with the, with the refugees. Talking about refugees, I had a great testimony this week, a true account of a lady in Ian Russell's congregation in Leicester. She's an Egyptian lady. She works in Coventry near Leicester, and she was walking down the road in her lunchtime, and a man came up to her and said, um, are you Syrian? Because this man was a Syrian refugee. And um, she said, no, I'm Egyptian. And he said, are you Muslim? And she said, no, I'm a Christian. And he said, tell me about Jesus. I want to know about Jesus. So she told him about Jesus, and he gave his life to Jesus, Muslim Syrian refugee. Then he said this, he says, I have some, some people who want to know about Jesus too. Some of them have had dreams about Jesus. Some of them are, are, are just fed up of what they've been in and want to find something different to believe in. And we want to know about Jesus. She said, well, how many? He said, 15. He, he said, well, 15. We could probably go to a coffee shop and, uh, you know, have a meeting. Or we could, we could, you know, if we can find a church building in Coventry, we can go there. We can, we can do it. And he says, no, not 15 people, 15 families. All wanted to know about Jesus. God is doing something, isn't he? Even in the midst of all these things. 15 families wanting to know about Jesus. <clears throat> Why? Because the God we serve is not a God of hate. He's a God of love. The God we serve is not a God of condemnation. He's a God of freedom and life. The God we serve, yes, he will discipline us as a father disciplines his children, but he will not punish us to the degree that it will destroy us because that's not our God. Like I said last week, our God, our God, would rather die than hurt anybody. And he did. So, back to Paul. He's been shipwrecked. But God said, don't worry, you'll be shipwrecked, but it'll be all okay. Can you imagine that kind of word? You're going to be shipwrecked, everything's going to fall apart, but you're going to be okay. And he said, okay, I trust in you, God. So, he finds himself washed up, on the island of Malta. I mean, if you're going to be washed up on any island, that's a pretty good island to be washed up on, isn't it? It's not like Greenland or even UK. You wash up on Malta, you know you're going to get some sunshine at some stage. Praise God. So he's washed up on Malta. And this is what happens to him. Now, when they had escaped, then they found out that the island was called Malta. He didn't even know where he was. 
And the native showed us unusual kindness. This is Luke talking about what happened to Paul. For they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain. It sometimes rains in Malta as well. That was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on a fire, a viper came out because of the heat. You know, sometimes when you're enjoying the fire of God and the warmth of God in your life, vipers come in to try and bite you to keep you from enjoying what God wants you to have. To get you off course, to destroy and to thieve from you. But this was his response. It fastened to his hand, so when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. Can you imagine this scene right now? The Bible's very human. You've got a bunch of people around a fire. Guy gets bit by a poisonous snake. He just shrugs it off into the fire. And they've got their mouths wide open because they've seen this before. There is no hospital down the road with, with, with drugs to make sure. This is a, a death sentence, what's just happened to this guy. And they're waiting. Is he going to swell up? Is he going to fall down dead? And they're waiting, they're waiting. They keep waiting, and he just keeps enjoying the fire. Nothing happens to him. Can I say this to you? This man was a murderer. Paul was a murderer. He murdered Christians, and he was also there looking on, approving at the murder of some of the greatest saints that ever lived, Stephen being one of them. Read the book of Acts, it tells you. This guy was a murderer. And can you imagine the conflict that could have come into his mind at this point? Because the culture of the day is saying, you have got what you deserve right now. Bam! You've been bitten by a snake. Justice has caught up with you. They may even quote the Bible. Your sins have found you out. Blah, blah, blah. You're going to die. No, he says this. I'm no murderer. Because forgetting the former things, I've become a new creation. And therefore, I am no longer what you say I am, or what the devil says I am, or what people have said I am, or the sentences written against me. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And because he believed that in his heart, it gave him confidence to shake off a poisonous snake. We may, we may think, well, you know, that's justice. That's God's justice. God caught up with him. No. He, he knew God's justice was this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So he had the perfect right, right to shake that snake off and let that snake burn in the fire and let him carry on, enjoying the flame of the fire with the smell of snake. <laughs> it's time for you and I not to be fearful of the smell of snake in our life and the smell of the, the devil. I'm fed up of Christians. Oh, the devil's on my back. The devil's on my back. The devil's on my back. I'm glad he's on your back. It means he's not on mine. Why the devil's on my back all the time? Oh, I'm no. no, listen, listen. The devil's not on your back. The Bible says this, that the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. But it's time for us to acknowledge every good thing that's in us in Christ Jesus. Because that's the way to... A, 
to allow God to come in to bring the devil under our feet in our lives. That snake is not supposed to bite our hand. It's interesting, isn't it? The snake went for his hand. Why did it go for his hand? Because at various times in Paul's ministry, there were times when he received the blessing of being in full-time ministry and received money for that. And there were times when he went into a new place to establish a church or do something like that, that he worked with his hands to be a tent maker. So why did the snake go for his hand? Because it was going for his livelihood. See, the devil wants to cut you off in every area of your life so you can't be effective for Jesus. But it's time to shake it off, in the words of Taylor Swift. It's time to shake it off. It is. It's time to shake off the work of the enemy and allow Christ to be all in all in your life. Amen? He shook it off. What happened next? The reason why this snake came at this time is to stop Paul on a mission that God had ordained for for him before the foundation of the earth. Let's read on what happened next. And they said he was a God, but he's obviously not a God, but you know, whatever. Next it says, Acts 28 verses 7 to 9. In that region there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island. So this is like the mayor or the prime minister of Malta, whose name was Publius. Okay, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. That's okay, isn't it? You go to the mayor's house, you have a nice meal, get entertained. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. You know, dysentery is a very contagious disease. And there was no cure at that time for dysentery. So this father would have been somewhere else not enjoying the party, because otherwise it would be a very messy party if he was around, if you catch my drift, okay? This was a messy disease involving diarrhea and all sorts of things like that. Let's get real. This has happened. There's diarrhea in the Bible, just as there is sometimes in our life, in the past. It's not now. There's diarrhea here. This is an awful disease, okay? Awful. Anyway. Paul went into him and prayed. He went into the room, he prayed, he laid his hands on him. (gasps) This is a contagious disease. He laid his hands on him. Why could Paul do that? Because he believed that greater was he was in him than the dysentery and Publius' dad. Laid his hands on him, and this guy got healed. So when this was done, listen to this. The rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. So in one evening, the whole island gets healed. Because of one man believing and acknowledging every good thing that was in him in Christ Jesus. Acknowledging he's not a murderer. No matter what people say, he's not a murderer. He's now a son. And he's going to live his life on that basis. Even though he's about to go to a very difficult situation in Rome, he's still living his life on that basis. You know, Paul was a man just like you and me. He was a human being. But he got a revelation in his heart that changed his life. That made him realize that, can I, can I say this in all honesty? He wrote to the Corinthians and he says this. There's divisions among you and you're acting like mere men. That's what he said. Why? Because he doesn't believe that Christians are mere men. He believes that Christians are superhuman beings. Not many amens to that. I'll say that again. He, he believes that Christians are superhuman. Do you, do you believe that? That Christians are superhuman. There's uncreated life inside of us. <clears throat> my, my son, he loves all the superheroes. Superman, Captain America, the Hulk. He, he loves the Hulk. Not Hulk Hogan, the green one. He loves Hulk. 
He just loves all the superheroes. You know, every superhero like that that people have imagined, <clears throat> flying through the air, doing amazing supernatural things, God can go beyond that. You know, David, the man after God's own heart, David Voice is the man after God's own heart. I'm talking about David in the Bible. He said this, with my God, I can scale a wall. Have you ever read what the mighty men did? There was one guy, mighty man in the Bible. Well, I don't believe the Bible. I don't care if you believe it or not. It's true. Anyway, there was a man in the Bible, and he was a mighty warrior. And it says that somebody tried to take his field of lentils. Now, obviously, this guy enjoyed lentils. Now, if you, if you ever had lentils cooked in a curry style, dal, you know what he's talking about. Dal is good stuff, isn't it? Amen? Shock it, amen? Dal is good stuff. And, and this guy, as I feel lentils, perhaps he was going to make dal out of it. He was going to enjoy himself. But he had this feel, and they tried to take this feel of lentils from The Philistines did. So he took on 300 Philistines and kept his field of lentils. They all died, and he kept his field of lentils. That's superhuman, isn't it? There was one guy who, it was a snowy day, and he decided to have a little walk on a snowy day. He fell into a pit. There was a lion in the pit. He killed the lion and carried on his walk. This is supernatural stuff. Do you know all those mighty men? You know how they started? It says in the Bible that David went to the cave of Adullam, where he was fleeing from Saul. And it says the dispossessed, the distressed, the, in, the indebted, the people that were nothing in society came to him. And what happened to these people? They became mighty because of the presence and the power of, 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 the, of God in their lives. Just because you may be where you are right now, feeling the way you are right now, that doesn't have to be a life sentence. It doesn't have to be a life sentence. Start to acknowledge every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. Start to acknowledge that you are a superhero in Christ Jesus. Supermen, wonder women in Christ Jesus. Supermen, wonder women in Christ Jesus. I don't know if you, if you, you some of you are not old enough, but I'm certainly old enough. When I was a kid, we used to have all these shows on TV, like Spider-Man. And there was Wonder Woman on TV, wasn't there? Yeah, Wonder Woman, that was a great one, that was. And basically, when Wonder Woman changed from being the average lady to Wonder Woman, she, she swizzed around, didn't she? She turned around. Wonder Woman, turn around. It was a powerful moment on TV. Anybody remember it? See, it's in there, isn't it? The Bible says, <laughs> in Zephaniah... That God sings over us, and in the Hebrew it says, as he's singing over us, he twirls round. Because when the Father starts to sing over your identity, ladies, you become Wonder Women. Men, you become Superman. It's the equivalent to Clark Kent going in the letterbox, in the, not letterbox, in the, in the phone box. That would have been supernatural. In the phone box, and coming out as Superman. Amen? You are a superhero. You are more than an ordinary Christian. You see, religion tries to make you feel small, but God wants you to realize how big you are on the inside and that you're here to do amazing things for him. If Paul, a little Jewish fella who was a murderer, 
could bring healing to an entire island. What's the possibility of you and me? What can we do in this generation? Or are we going to listen to all the naysayers and the voices of doom and the, the prophets of garbage speaking over us that we are nothing and we're weirdos? We're, we're, we're not nothing and we're not weirdos. We are sons and daughters of the Most High. We're going to do great things. Some of us are already starting to do great things. Great testimony this morning from Alan. Never stepped out in word of knowledge before. Stepped out in word of knowledge, didn't he, Danny, at that college you're going to? A lady got healed, and this, another lady came forward this morning, got healed of the same thing this morning as Alan prayed for her. It's just people, ordinary Christians becoming extraordinary because they know who they are in Christ. They